This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Hey everyone, I hope that everybody is doing well. Uh, glad that you are joining us here at Austin Life Church uh, to, to worship with us virtually, at least. Um, you know, as, as hard as it is, uh, and I will be the first in line to, to say that I do not like it one bit, uh, I, I am grateful that we are still able to, to worship you know, with technology and with different means. And so uh, I am glad that we're able to, to join together virtually to be a part of what God has for us and to open his word and to, to praise and to pray and to uh, really seek God together. Uh, if you're new here, I just want to let you know what our one hope is. Our one hope as a church is to lead people to life in Jesus. We, we want you, whether you have been a Christian for many, many years or, or whether you are not a Christian and you're just asking questions or you're skeptical or you're a doubter or, you know, our one hope, wherever you're coming from, is that you would see Jesus and know him and, and trust him and love him. Uh, we, we believe that that is where the fullness of life is found. Uh, and so next week, we're going to start a series called Knowing God, uh, where we just want to look in, in the Bible here and see more of who God is and how we can know him. As we, as we know who God is, that then shapes how we pray, how we worship, how we live. And so a proper understanding of God then leads to a proper really manner of living. Uh, and so we're confident that the more we see him, the more we're in awe of him, the more we, we just kind of marvel at who God is, that, that our lives will follow suit. And so we're going to spend several weeks just uh, looking at, at who God is from, from what it says here in the Bible. Uh, I'd like to pray for us uh, and really just for the time in the word. And then we're going to jump into Psalm 13. Um, so as I'm praying, if you want to be turning there, um, to Psalm 13. That's where we'll be spending time today. <sighs> Heavenly Father, God, I admit that I, I'm tired. Um, I, I think, yes, I would love a nap, but um, I'm just tired of what feels like grinding and hustling to not, not really move anywhere. Um, and, and I admit that's from my perspective and my vantage point. Um, so I, I think my request is that you would let us experience your presence, um, that, that what would satisfy us and what would complete us is just being near to you. Uh, so God, let us, let us encounter you today, uh, wherever we are, uh, that supernaturally everything would just kind of slow down and pause uh, so that we can encounter your presence. Uh, it's in Jesus we pray. Amen. You don't have to. You don't have to look far to see that the world we live in, uh, from Austin, Texas, to every corner of the globe, is is broken. E even in the best of places, right? Even in in the, the your tropical paradise, your your oasis. I mean, there's aspects where it's just something's off, right? Where disaster can happen, or sickness can come, or tragedy can strike. As of, as of this week, there's 2.1 million known cases of COVID in the United States alone. Um, 100,000 deaths. Nearly 8 million cases worldwide with 435,000 deaths. That, that's a lot of funerals across the world from, from this pandemic. 
Uh, outside of that, there is the reality of systemic racism here in the United States. Uh, many, many years after the civil rights movements, after you know, the Emancipation Proclamation, where you'd think we'd, we'd be in a different place, and yet we look around and we realize, nope, there's still prejudice and bias and hatred based on, on skin color. Um, according to IJM.org, International Justice Mission, there are over 40 million, let, let, that, let that sink in for a bit. If you had $40 million in your bank account, you would be ecstatic. There's over 40 million people in slavery today in the world. This very day, over 40 million people. Many of them are children. Many of them are sold into sex trafficking and physical hard labor. It, you, you just don't think that that's happening, and yet it is. There's, the world is broken. And, and I think sometimes when we look at it, when we look at the news, when we look at murder, when we look at violence, when we look at, at death, we think, what the, what the heck? Like, God, what, what is going on? Are, are you listening? Are you here? Are you able? Are you loving? Is God, where are you? Why are you letting this happen to the world around us? Why are you letting this happen to innocent people, to, to women and to children? What is going on? And then we're able to turn off the TV or shut our computers. And then, then it gets personal, right? And we realize in our own lives, there's suffering and tragedy and hurt and brokenness. There's miscarriages of, of hopeful babies being born. There's marriages falling apart and ending in divorce. There's friendships that are unraveling because of hurts. There's job loss leaving people desperate for income and, and looking for answers. There's humiliation based on bullies. There's insecurity and depression that plagues the mind. Anxiety is running rampant. There's just disappointment on top of disappointment on top of disappointment on top of disappointment. Uh, I could keep going. And if we're all honest, right? Like, yes, we've got so many blessings. And there, there is the, the half glass full, right? There is the angle where we can say, let's be thankful for this and let's be thankful for this and let's be thankful for this. And that is good. We should rejoice and be grateful for all that we have. But we can't stick our head in the sands and act like there's also not hurt and brokenness and suffering and trials. And we've all encountered it. Every single human being. To, to be human is to suffer at some level, at some point, and in multiple points along the way. It's, it's just part of what it means to live on this planet. And, and I think at times it leaves us personally in our soul Asking God some tough questions, really wrestling, is this what I thought it was, right? Is, God, are you, are you, are you really there? God, if I talk to you, are you actually going to do something here? If you are there, are you just kind of a distant, passive, like, cosmic being, but not really involved in our lives? Like, why are you allowing this? Where have you gone? Why don't you step in and do something here? Are you careless? Have you tricked me? Did you call me to something only to watch me suffer and hurt? Like, these are real questions and real doubts that, that I think most of us, if not all of us, have at different times along the way. Right? Have you, have you ever had questions like that? Man, I think if you opened up my journals from the past three or four years, I have more of those questions than I would have ever thought I'd have. 
You know, it's just different seasons and different circumstances. I mean, it's just, it's hard. And I've doubted and questioned my faith has been shaken in ways I would have never thought possible. And then it's just, it's just real. It's real. There's disillusionment and disappointment and hurt and confusion and, man, it's just real. So what do we do with that, right? Like, what do we do with it? Do we, do we try to ignore it? Like, act like it doesn't exist? World's falling apart, walking along. Someone's like, hey, how are you? Good, good. And then, they, you know, we, we just were crumbling. Maybe we try to muscle our way through. Like, we know things are falling apart, man. Dad gummit, we're going to fix this. We're going to work harder, and we're going to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, and we're just going to roll up our sleeves and get to work, and we're going to fix it. Maybe your default is to run and rebel. Things get hard, and so you're out. Just go and, and fill your life with other things so that you literally can't think about it. You just, you just try to drown your sorrows in something else. Maybe it's anger and frustration and, and, and these emotions that you just don't even know how to control. This hurt that's just coming out of you. It, it manifests in anger. It manifests in actions that you would have never meant or thought to do. But it just, it just happens, right? What do we do with the reality of the hurt and hardship in our life? The, the good thing about the Bible that I'm really encouraged about is th- there's not a single person in the Bible that also didn't struggle, also didn't suffer, also didn't have hardship. Nobody caked, walked it, caked, walked it through life. Like everybody on this planet dealt with illness and racism and and challenge. And here's the incredible invitation of God. From Genesis 3 on, when sin entered the world and everything kind of broke in in God's perfect shalom, his peace, in in his harmony, when everything broke, Adam and Eve ran and hid from the presence of God. And God, his invitation in the midst of this brokenness is, is don't hide. Don't don't hide from me. Don't hide from what's going on. Come pour your heart out to me. The God of the Bible invites us in the middle of hardship, in the middle of hurt, in the middle of lamenting to come and to pour our hearts out honestly, to struggle and fight and wrestle. In in Psalm 62 verse 8, it's one of my favorite verses, it says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. The invitation is all of these feelings, all these hurts, all these struggles that are real and, and, and may not be here today, but they're, they'll, they'll be here at some point, is to take those and don't bury them, don't ignore them, don't try to cover them up with something else, but pour them out to God honestly and candidly because he is a safe place, a refuge for us to do that. The Bible calls this lamenting. To to lament is to stand in the middle of suffering and hardship and a good God and and to to go, something's not right here, right? There's this good God of the Bible and there's this bad suffering of the world and we're just kind of in the middle trying to figure out how to deal with both of those realities. And so lamenting is taking the real hard stuff and yet moving towards God with it. 
It's not, it's not hiding, it's not running away, it's not ignoring, it's taking those things and not diminishing them and moving towards God with those hardships. Lamenting gives us a voice, it gives us a way to struggle and to wrestle and to fight that honors God and that he invites us to do. Did you know that the Psalms, the book of Psalms, there's 150 Psalms and over one third of the Psalms are laments. There's a whole book called Lamentations. So it is a biblical invitation from God. And so before we get going any further, take a second. What is it for you right now? What is something that that you lament, that your heart hurts over, that that you grieve over, that that you're, you're, you're involved in the suffering and the hurt of this world? It could be around you. It could be in your own life. It could be in a family member. And you're looking at the goodness of God and you're like, God, this doesn't line up. Something's off. Something's wrong here. What is that hurt that you would lament? Go go ahead and in your mind or write out, name it. Something that if you could change, if you could make better, you would fix right now. What is that for you that you you would change? Here's what, here's what we do. The pattern of lamenting in the Bible, and in the Psalms in particular, is this. One, we take those hurts, we take whatever it is that you just named, and we turn to God with it. Two, we pour our hearts out to Him in honest complaint and grievance. We we pour it out. Three, we ask boldly for God to do something with this hurt, with this lament. And then four, we choose to trust him in the middle of it, no matter what. That's the pattern that we see. That's what we'll see in Psalm 13 with with David. And and in case you're wondering, like, is this okay? Like, is it really okay for me to voice my hurts to God? Because this might get kind of ugly. Like, this could get messy if I'm really real with God. I'm really honest. And this book, it's called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Um, I've been enjoying it, and, and I would recommend it to you. And, and he writes this. He says, To pray in pain, even with its messy struggle and tough questions, is an act of faith where we open up our hearts to God. Prayerful lament is better than silence. However, I've found that many people are afraid of lament. They find it too honest, too open, or too risky. But there's something far worse. Silent despair. Giving God the silent treatment is the ultimate manifestation of unbelief. So, I, I, I agree. I agree. Is this okay? Is it really okay to pray like this to God? And, and I would say yes, and God says yes. Come on. Bring it. Let's go. Because it is an act of faith, of taking our hurts to Him. So, so let's look at Psalm 13. Let's see how David does this. He writes, how long, O Lord, will, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But... I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully 
with me. This is a psalm, a prayer of lament from David. We don't know the context. We don't know what the suffering is, but we see this pattern play out. We see David take his hurts and bring them to God. The first thing he does is he, he turns to God. He doesn't bury them. He doesn't cover them up with other things. He doesn't run and turn to other people. He turns to God. Now, don't hear me say this, this doesn't mean to, to not have other people in your life. I, I hear sometimes the, the argument made like, well, I don't really have to be vulnerable and honest with other people because I'm, I'm vulnerable and honest with God. And, and yes, step one is to be vulnerable and honest with God. But the Bible is incredibly clear from Genesis 2 until Revelation that you and I are not created to live life in isolation. We are created for interwoven, deep human connection. And, and not only does that, does that fill our souls and help us to operate how we're designed to operate, but it is impossible to know God at the, the level we're created to know Him apart from that because God is a God of community, deeply and intimately woven as Father, Son, and Spirit into one. And so it's impossible for us to to really know God and reflect Him if we're living isolated. We're created to live in, in community and in union. And so we do have people in our lives. I, I truly believe we all need at least one person who knows everything. Everything. Like there's nothing we hold back from this person. James tells us that there's freedom and healing in confession. And so Look, if you don't have that person, then let's just go ahead and jump on out there and be like, hey, you're my person, and unload. Let's, let's just forge these relationships in the fire, right? Because we need it. But first, before that, we turn to God. He is the one who can handle everything. He is the one who will never let us down. He is the one who can actually do something about whatever it is we're bringing to him. And so first, we turn to God. Now, we may be looking at the suffering and our questions and our doubts, and that may be part of the reason we don't turn to God. We may have those questions where we go, time out, hold on, wait up. If God is good and loving, if God is, is able, if he knows and if he cares and he sees this hurt, well, then why is he letting it happen? Right? Like, why is God letting thousands, hundreds of thousands of people die from COVID? Couldn't God just go, and it, and it be gone? Like, isn't, isn't he able to, to do something like that? And so a lot of times I think this suffering and this hurt, sometimes we look at God and we, we're like, well, this tells me there is no God. How can I turn to God if there is no God? Because he would do something about this. And I realize this is a, a much longer conversation. Um, and, and I'd recommend uh, another book called The Reason for God by Timothy Keller if you want to read um, a book that will address this and other topics. And, um, and, and all I would say to this at this point is let's approach this conversation considering that, that the Bible's true and that God is who he says he is. And, and here's just some thoughts, right? Isn't it possible that if God is who he says he is, if, if there is this, this God that's above and transcendent and created all, all things, isn't it possible that there's at least one perspective, one angle that can take the suffering of this world and see good through it and bring good through it? Like, isn't it possible that 
there's, a, there's something we just can't see or understand that can actually work good through the hardship and through the suffering. I think even the most objective person would have to say, yeah, it's possible, right? If, if God's who he says he is, it's possible. And so I, I think we can't just write God off because of suffering because it doesn't make sense to us. I think we have to say, okay, yeah, perhaps, right? And we know this with as kids, right? Our parents will do stuff and we're like, this doesn't make sense, mom and dad. You are just evil and wicked. Like, why are you allowing this? Why are you letting me suffer and struggle? And yet parents know that you have to go through the suffering to get to a better place. You have to struggle in order to, to grow. You have to have growing pains in order to, to develop and mature. And so we can apply that on an even bigger level with God. It's possible. So let's just say, okay, it's possible there. Another thing that, that C.S. Lewis makes, if we're going to look at suffering and say, man, this is suffering, this is evil, this is, this is bad, the only way to name it as evil or bad is if there's the, the opposite, which is good and righteous. And so perhaps suffering and hurt is actually just an, an apologetic, a, a, a light on the opposite, which is the good of God. Perhaps God uses that suffering to, to point people to the opposite side, to, to the good that's on the, the other side. Perhaps there is a God who understands, and, and perhaps he is really working in our best interest. Like That's what my belief is. That's what the Bible teaches. And, and if you're just like, I don't know that I believe that, just, just consider. Perhaps it's, there's a chance. And just see, just see what God does with that. that. That'd be my encouragement. That's my request. But, but with the hurt that you have and the struggle we have, turn to God. T turn to Him. Bring it to Him. And, and the second thing that, that lament teaches us is to candidly and honestly pour our hearts out to God. Uh, unload what's, what's inside. Pour them out. Look, look what David does. Four times in two verses. How long? Oh Lord, how long, how long, how long? How long are you going to forget me? How long are, are you going to make me, are you going to hide from me? How long are you going to make me you know, take counsel on my own strength? How long are you going to make me be sorrowful and my enemies exalt over me? I mean, David is just like lost and, and questioning and doubting the presence of God. And he's like, what are you doing? He's, he's accusing God of abandoning him. He's, he knows that God told Moses and, and Joshua, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And yet David's like, time out. I feel forsaken. I feel alone. Where the heck are you? Live up to your word, God. What are you doing? These are not soft words. These are the words of a hurting heart that genuinely feels abandoned and alone and left to fend for himself when God promised that that wouldn't be the case. And he's just trying to reconcile, God, where are you? This doesn't make sense and it doesn't line up. He honestly pours his heart out to God. He honestly lets it be said. This is what God invites us to do. He invites us to, to open the lid off of the, the bucket of hurt and to pour our hurt out to him, to, to let it overflow to him. Because he knows that when we take the lid off, th that's when he can start to heal and to work and to restore. And here's the deal, y'all. Here's the deal. We're operating under the assumption that, 
that this, is, this word is true and that God is who he says he is. And the Bible says that there's nothing hidden from God. And so if, if I have these questions in my heart, but I'm like, I can't, I can't voice these. I can't write these out. Here's spoiler alert. He already knows them anyways. And so we're just harming ourselves. The devil, here's what the devil wants. The devil wants you to take you know, 2% and just tuck it away in this deep, dark corner. And just tuck it down there. Like, I can't say this. This is too much. It's too offensive. It's too dangerous. Like, what will people think of me? God, I can't say this to God. Are you kidding me? And he wants us to just bury and hide that 2%. Hold it back. Because what he's going to do is he's going to take that 2%. And he's going to sit on it for not one year or two years or five. He's going to wait and he's going to let the 2% grow and grow and grow and grow and grow until at the most opportune time, he's going to light the match and blow things up. You see, mold grows in the darkness. We've got to expose the darkness of doubts and hurts and fears and struggles to light so that the light of Christ can heal and restore us. What are those doubts, those hurts, those struggles in your heart? I mean, I, I have a common prayer that I've prayed has been, has been, God, ever since we said yes to planting a church, it seems like all hell has broke loose. Like, things were good. Like, we were in a nice place. And then we said, hey, I think it's time for us to go plant a church. And everything just got stupid, hard, and painful. And so, I mean, I've had times, I'm like, God, I feel like you tricked me. I feel like we said yes, and, and you, you, you just like want to, I don't, I don't know, almost torture us to teach us a hard lesson. And I've just struggled personally with, with how hard this has been and, and with uncertainties and feeling like I'm trying and trying and trying and trying and we're not going anywhere and what's going on. And it's just been, it's just been really hard. But I've also come to realize, I believe that, that God wants me to pour that out to him. The Bible shows us that's okay. So what are those hurts? What are those sufferings? What are those struggles and questions and doubts and fears? Listen, y'all, it is okay to not be okay. It, it's just not okay to stay there and settle for that. We will never move forward. We will never heal and recover and restore if we're not being fully honest with God, with ourselves, and with others. I'm, I'm telling you this for our own good. Even, even psychologists, apart from the Bible, know that. That when we bury things, it eats away at us from the inside. And it's going to destroy us. And it is exactly what the devil wants. When we keep things in, we are playing into the devil's hands. We're just walking right into his game plan. You, you want to you stick it to the devil right now? You, you want to punch him in the face? Then take those hurts and those insecurities and those sins and those dark places and pour your heart out before God. And then grab a friend and say, man, I'm not proud of this and it's hard, but here's where, it, here's where I am. Here's what's going on. And then watch as the light of Jesus begins to set you free and bring you into healing. Y'all, we're getting a little worked up, getting a little worked up. I know this from experience. It does no good. Don't try to fix things on your own. Don't try to just muscle through it and think, I'll fix it. I'll get it taken care of. That's exactly what the devil wants. Open things up. Pour your heart out before God. Now, 
When I read this, I think about Philippians 2, where Paul says, do all things without grumbling. And I'm like, man, if this seems a lot like grumbling to me. Looks like David's grumbling. And here's, here's the key difference. Paul brings that up immediately after telling us to be humble as Jesus is humble. And so the grumbling that it seems he was talking about was a, was a prideful arrogance. It was an, an entitled, you owe me this, God. I deserve this. I, I'm better than this. I, I don't have to stoop to that level. I don't have to be subjected to this. It was a prideful, arrogant grumbling. This is a broken, humble complaining out of, out of sorrow. It's not coming to God with this entitlement. It's simply bringing our brokenness to Him in humility, in dependence, and recognizing that this is broken and we need help. So we come humbly with our complaints. We're, we're honest, but we're humble about it, knowing that, believing that God is our only hope. Let the Bible guide you. Use the Bible as a template for how to, how to lament, how to complain, how to, how to argue with God a little bit. And then be honest. Don't hold back. It will do you no good. So we turn to God and then we, we complain. Take, maybe, maybe an application point is get a journal and just write it out. Like no filter. No filter. Just write it out. And... and, and and just, we've got to take that lid off. We've got to let it out. We have to. This is the invitation God gives us. And then he invites us to ask, to boldly ask him to help. So David, he turns to God. He complains, how long are you going to leave me like this, God? When are you going to step in? And then he says in verse 30, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes unless I sleep the sleep of death, unless my enemy prevails and rejoices over me. Three requests. Consider, answer, light up my eyes. The first, consider, hey, look at me. God, over here, look at me. Answer me, light up my eyes. It's, it's kind of like, think, so the other day, Miles was trying to like lift up a suitcase or something, and he's sitting there struggling, and he's, like, he's calling us up. He's like, little help, mom, little help, mom. You know, and so, the first thing he wants is for me or Stephanie, right, to, he wants to get our attention for us to see that there's a problem over there. And then, and then you ever had the situation where you're like, hey, you need some help. And someone just looks at you and you're like, do something, like, come help me, move, do something here, right? So that's, that's David's next response. God, look here and see me, consider me. And now answer, do something, step in, move near to me. And then he says, tangibly light up my eyes. Like, move the darkness out and shine the light into my life. Remove this, this darkness that's plaguing me. And so he gives us the freedom to ask, to ask God to interject, to see our hurts and to move near and to get his hands around our lives and in this world and to do something. Other requests that we see in the Psalms, arise, O Lord. It's a request for God to, to step up and to intervene and to fix this brokenness. Grant us help. Literally, give us strength. Help us keep going. Remember your covenant. Just God pleading with God to, to stay true. Let justice be done. Set the captives free. 
Don't remember our sins. Remove them. Forgive our sins. Restore us. Lift us up. Repair the brokenness. Don't be silent. These are direct, bold requests in the middle of hurt and suffering and struggling, asking the only one who's able to do something to step in and do something. And this is what we do. We, we have this hurt, we have this struggle, we have this pain point, and we turn to God and we pour our hearts out to Him honestly and candidly, and then we ask Him to step in and to do something. We ask Him to intervene. So whatever it is you were thinking about, whatever it is that, that, that you lament, that's what you do. You take that pain and you pour your heart out to God. You tell Him what's going on. You ask Him to... to to see you and to move in and to bring change and to heal and to restore. And then what? It's done? Like, yes, it's all fixed. Maybe, like legitimately, maybe, yeah. There's many times where, where men and women in the Bible pray and God on the spot changes it. Where, where healing is come and, and rescue is given and deliverance and provision and food. And there's many times and then there's other times where God answers, but not in the way the person was asking. God, God responds. He always answers, but in a way that's perhaps different. Just like sometimes when my kids ask for help, I, I don't always give them what they're asking for. But if I'm being a good father, I give them what is best. That's what every good parent will do is give what is best. And a lot of times that's not exactly what kids ask for. And so we ask. But the final piece of lamenting is we have to choose to trust his faithfulness to handle our requests in the best possible way. That's, that's where David concludes. I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Look, this psalm is six verses. One third of the verses, two of them are David complaining and, and grieving and asking God, where the heck are you? And then by verse five, he's rejoicing. He's worshiping. He's singing songs. How, how did that happen? How in such a short time did he go from desperation to worship, from hopelessness to hope, from despair to, to life? How did that happen? And can that happen for us? Right? Can, can we truly go from dark clouds into deep mercy, from, from suffering to rejoicing regardless of circumstance? And... I say this less from experience and more from faith. I believe so. I, I, I believe that, that we can. And it's in choosing trust. Choosing that, that God, as Matthew 7 says, is a good father who's going to give good gifts. And sometimes those gifts don't look like what we ask for, but they're always good. They're always best. They're always right. It's trusting that God will hear. God will respond. God does see. God does care. And what he does will be good, whether it's immediate or whether it's, you know, a week or a year or 10 years later or whether it doesn't resolve at all in this lifetime. 
We trust that he's good for it. Look, this, this point in the middle, this hurt that we, we embrace, this, this lament that, that's in our soul, look, we're going to trust in something. We're going to trust in ourselves to get the job done or karma or a friend or someone else to come in. We're going to trust in something. And, and I believe everything will let us down except for God, that he's the only one we can truly trust. So why can we trust him? And this is how I want to end today. This is how David ends. Why is David so willing to trust God, even though in verses one and two, he feels completely abandoned and lost. He says, first, I've trusted in your steadfast love. He, he, he remembers in the middle of this hurt, in the middle of the storm, he takes a second and he reminds himself of God's steadfast, his faithful love that over the years in his own life, God has proven himself loving. And over the years in his dad's and his family's life, God has proven himself loving. And over the years in, in Israel's life, he's proven himself loving. He remembers the love that God has for him. And, and he knows God, God loves. God, God is love. God is loving to me. And even though the storm is surrounding me, I know that God is love and he's faithful to his words. He remembers. God invites us to pour our hearts out. He, he invites us to struggle and to ask. And he tells us, though, in the middle of that struggle, remember my love for you. Because the storm around you is going to get intense and you've got to have something to anchor to or you're going to get blown away. Rem anchor to my love. Remember Romans 5.8 that says that, that God has demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, that, that God paid up front, that God put his love on the table before we were ever born, before we ever made any steps towards him to come to the table of reconciliation. God poured his love out first. We pour our hearts out to him and we trust in him because he's already poured his heart out and his love out to us. And so we remember his steadfast love that, that went to the cross on our behalf, that, that didn't back down and that showed us he loves us. What can you do to remember God's love. Look, there's so many voices around us all the time, all the time, all the time. We're flooded with, with media and nonsense. What can we do to remember God's love when the, when the hurts are pressing in and the, the world is crumbling around us? What do we do? And I encourage you, memorize some verses. Memorize verses that tell us that God's love is steadfast and enduring. That, that Memorize Psalm 13, 5. Memorize Ephesians 2. Memorize Colossians 1. Memorize John 3, 16. Memorize Romans 5. Memorize 1 John 4. Memorize, sink these words into our minds so that when everything is pressing around and just yelling and beating, we can say, God is loving. God is faithful. He is here. I can remember his love for me. 
Listen to it. Write notes on your mirror. Stick them on your wall. Have people encouraging you. Put his love. Reflect on his love. We've got to have something to anchor to when the storm is swirling. Anchor to his love. Then David says that he rejoices in God's salvation. He rejoices that God does rescue. He remembers that God rescued from the hands of Goliath, that God rescued from Saul, that God rescued from the Philistines, that God rescued time and time and time again because God is a God of rescue. From the beginning to the end, God's story is a, God of, is a story of salvation and of rescue. And so for you and for me, we can look around and the world is crumbling, but we already have the evidence that salvation has come. That our greatest tragedy, our greatest suffering is our separation from God. That we brought on ourselves by our own sin. That, that we willingly walked away from and put this dividing wall of hostility between us and God. And that Jesus came and tore down that wall of hostility. That Jesus went to the cross to take all of our sins on himself. The, the obstacle in between us and God, our sin, Jesus took it on himself on the cross and our full record of debt was nailed to the cross. And, and now that would be fine, but it wouldn't be enough if Jesus were still dead. So the great news is that Jesus didn't stay dead, but he took our sins off of him and he rose up holy and righteous and is alive today so that when we turn to Jesus in trust, when we say, Jesus, I'm, giving every, I'm trusting you fully, what he does is he completely buries and finishes our sin and gives us his righteousness. And the Bible says that we become a new creation spiritually. We're moved from death to life. That is salvation, that we are forever reconciled back to a relationship with God. And we have to, at times, just sit in that and remind ourselves, man, God's salvation has come and it is good and I can rejoice in that. I may not be able to rejoice in anything else, but I can rejoice in that because nothing can take that away. So we rejoice in his salvation. And then we worship and praise because he has dealt bountifully with us. He has been good. He has given gifts. He has poured his love upon us, his salvation, his grace, his mercy. He has actively loved us and cared for us. And so we praise and we worship him. There have been some verses in Psalm 66 that have been encouraging to me when I think about lament and hardship and, and sickness and death and hate and violence. It says, bless our God, O peoples, let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. We all lament, all of us. There's hardship, there's crushing burdens, there's, there's the fire of life that all of us go through. And the, 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 the invitation of the Bible, the invitation of God is to turn to Him, to pour our hearts out to Him, don't diminish it, to ask Him for help, and to trust 
that he is leading us to a place of abundance that can only come through the fire. That there are places of goodness and abundance that we can only get through the trials and sufferings. And so we trust and we let go and we rejoice that God is for us and he is good and then he cares for our hurts and our struggles. And that is how we handle these laments. We turn to God. We pour our hearts out to him. We ask him to change, to fix, to help. And then we let go of control and trust that he is a good father and he will give good gifts. And we let that confidence bring peace and rest to our soul, no matter what's happening around us. It's a good practice for us to know because there's hurt around us and we don't always understand it, but we can know and trust that God is doing something and he invites us to turn to him. Let's pray and let's, let's do that right now. And, and I'll pray first and then give, give you a minute to pray and to lament and to let our hearts rest in him. Father, we, we turn to you because every one of us knows there are struggles and issues around us that are bigger than we can handle and bigger than anyone else can handle. And so we, we turn to you. God, I don't get it. I don't know what all you're doing. This is not the story I would have written. This is not how I would have planned for things to go. Um, and I, I don't see the good in a lot of things that I've struggled with. I, I don't. I don't see the positive side of it. At best, I see just getting through and enduring. Would you give me endurance? Would you show me your goodness? Would you comfort and heal my anxious heart? Give me a peace and a rest that is found in you that is greater than any unrest outside of me. I believe that you hear me. I believe that by Jesus, you invite me to come confidently to you. And you call me son and that you want to give me best. And so while I can't put all the pieces together, I trust that you already see the completed puzzle. And so I trust you. You're good. Would you take a minute now and would you lament to God? Whatever it is in your heart that's heavy, that's hard, it's a struggle that you want to see changed, turn to God. Pour your heart out honestly, candidly. Ask him for help. And then let go of control and trust that he will respond in the best way.
Move near, Father. Show us your glory. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.